Are you going to pronounce his name right? That's Nakagawa. Uh, Nakagawa. Nakagawa. So Tatsuya Nakagawa. Now on to our expert, Tatsuya Nakagawa. Tats Nakagawa. Yeah, you, you get to see our messy back end right now. Sounds like you guys are doing a really good thing because I know a ton of companies struggle with this kind of stuff. So Because everybody thinks their messy back end is unique to them. Like my goal in my mind is by episode 100, the entire world knows that everyone has a messy back end. Messy back ends is where we like to hang out. You want to make the blooper real. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's when the real magic actually happens is before and after when sure. somebody just like what and you're like, dang it, I needed that. So you show up and you bloop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the verb. You, you to bloop. Okay, Urban Dictionary, right. here we come. Are we ready? <laughs> Welcome to the messy back end of entrepreneurship. This is Lee Cassells, co-founder of SFQ Consulting. We all know that the back end is where most businesses fail, and I can tell you from my experience that all businesses have them, from solopreneurs to large corporations. This podcast is all about cleaning up that messy back end so you can save time, make money, and succeed. And now, here are your hosts, Sheila J. Logan and Nate Tucker. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We have a wonderful show for you today. As William Blake once said, what is now proved was once only imagined. On our expert segment today, we're going to be speaking with Tots Nakagawa about using innovation in life and business. Tots is the co-founder and COO of a sustainable roof coating manufacturing company called Costagara. Over the past 20 years, he's had the pleasure of launching hundreds of products and services and co-authoring the book, Overcoming Inventoritis, The Silent Killer of Innovation, with a forward by Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple. He's also the host of a podcast on C-Suite Network called Specified, where he interviews leaders who have overcome adversity, built massive organizations, zero to over a hundred million, and made an impactful change in the building materials and coding industry. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert, Tots, will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but he will also expose what innovation really means and how to achieve it. If you're an entrepreneur with a messy backend and you would like to submit your story or question, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank y'all so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Back End. Coming soon, watch for The Messy Back End of Being a Single Mom, as well as many other messy back end topics from photography, speaking, book writing, traveling, and more. How would you like to have your very own Messy Back End podcast? Find out more about how you can use our team, our brand, and our online platforms to start and build your own Messy Back End podcast. Visit themessybackend.com slash join for details. Nate and I would love to be on your podcast or speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking to send us your event details and learn more about us and our speaking topics. Thank you to our sponsor, Yes, Women's Network. 
where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe, folks, to our podcast. Head on over to themessybackend.com slash subscribe so you never miss an episode. Plus, check us out on Facebook and YouTube to see full video episodes. Now on to our expert, Tats Nakagawa, for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. So today we have a messy question submitted by one of our listeners. They say, it's pretty clear that innovation will be the key to the future. Not everyone will discover the cure for cancer, but they must be able to solve interesting problems in new ways to be relevant in the 21st century. People will need to be flexible, creative, and be able to reinvent themselves to have fulfilled careers and lives. How can we be innovators in our industries? Well, thank you guys for, for having on your show. And I, I think that's a, that's a very good question. I think entrepreneurship in innovation is a social exercise. And so let me explain. So let's say you put a two by four on the ground and you walk across it. It's a fairly easy task, but take that same two by four and put it 10,000 feet in the air and try to do the same thing you are terrified and you know it just feels like a completely different experience but it's just putting one foot next to the other so i i get really impressed with entrepreneurs that you know change things that are willing to go out on a limb you know and sure it's all about comfort zone like you maybe you're comfortable comfortable in front of 10 20 people you know making mistakes and and having sort of successes and failures. But as, as your organization grows, or you, are you trying to push this innovation forward, you have to expose it to more people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people. And your comfort zone defines how far you can go with that in some extent. And if you have you know, certain limiting beliefs or certain things holding you back, let's say for me, I'm an entrepreneur. I love spreading ideas and sort of making changes, but I'm an introvert. And I, and I really had to, to struggle with that because, you know, at certain points, you'll find yourself self-sabotaging yourself. In high school, in grade eight, I went to this very strange school in which I had to take drama or band. And I hated the idea of going in drama. No standing in front of 20 people, you know, doing something silly. I felt so weird and, and so sort of uh, grossed out about that. I ran as fast as I could to band class. And I showed up at band class and I had a trumpet in my hand and I looked around the room and I didn't clue in because I was running away from drama that everyone was playing an instrument well. <laughs> and no one was trying to learn how to play an instrument. And I was like, oh, what did I do? Like I was, I was trying to run away from drama and I got myself into a situation. My parents are very musical. Maybe I could just wing it, blend in with the class. And no, that, that wasn't working out. I was so disruptive. They shoved me in the band equipment locker room in the back to practice by myself. <laughs> And I locked you in the closet to practice. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's horrible, but that's an awesome story. I hope, I hope there's a happy ending. 
and I'm, I'm sitting in there and I'm making horrible noises because I'm so bad at trumpet because I thought maybe, you know, there's only three keys on there that was going to be easy. But no, with the less keys, the their buttons, the, the harder it is because you have to create the, the noises yourself. So I'm, I'm in there making horrible noises like and, and feeling really sorry for myself. And I included maybe people will forget about me and the semester will be over and I will never have to think about this thing ever again. And I remember the teacher coming in a few days before the end of the semester saying, in order to pass this class, you have to play with the school in front of the entire school. And I remember my face going white I don't think I remember feeling my legs. And when the teacher left, I ran to my friend said, and asked, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, pretend? <laughs> and then concert day comes up. I'm sitting there. I'm staring at the entire school. And I wasn't even good enough to pretend. I, was, I, was, I just completely bombed. And since that day, I've been trying to become more comfortable in speaking and you know taking toastmasters and coaching and i even did comic stand up just once which was completely terrifying but entrepreneurship and innovation is all about sort of airing out your ideas and being brave and i think if you can look at all the areas in your life like the the messy back end which you guys deal with which we all have and you can run away from that, gloss it over, try to hide it, or you can just run straight forward in that direction and try to challenge it. And I think that's where you find growth and innovation. I think yeah. that's a brilliant. I, I feel bad that you have to bring that back out, but you know, I guess it's a lesson that you learned that, hey, if I'd gone to drama, imagine what could have happened to me in the future. Also, man, that teacher just putting you in the room. <laughs> I think you're really, you're right though. I love what you said that innovation is a, is a social situation. We talk about this often in um, several of our episodes where people are afraid to put themselves out there. And by being afraid to put yourself out there, you're missing opportunities. And we talk often also about the, the guy on BBC whose children came running in the background. He had to put himself out there to do that. And it actually, you know, the mistakes oftentimes are what catapult you into where you need to be. The worst thing that can happen is if you ask someone and they, they say no, or they don't reply. The best thing that can happen is you can end up with somebody like yourself on our podcast where we just reached out and I'm like, hey, here's a guy that I know is pretty awesome. People really like him. We should ask him to be on the podcast. And you, know, you said, yes. So you have to look at not how is it going to make me feel or am I going to flop? It's how can this get me forward? Am I willing to take that risk? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the main main thing, right? I think we underestimate certain things that we can do and we overestimate other things. But the things that we underestimate is, you know, and it's commonly said is that what we can achieve when we're persistent over a long period of time. And and then as long as we don't get caught up with, you know, books and media stories that make it seem like people are perfect, and everything just shows up and the people's stories are linear and that we understand that everyone's stories is like a roller coaster and people don't have it figured out and innovators suffer doesn't matter if you're elon musk or just a backyard or garage inventor that everyone's experience is the same 
and that you have to sort of learn from people and, and develop, then then it's good. I, I see all these people that I think, Nate, you come from the marketing background, Sheila, you do online marketing, but people compare their first draft to someone's 50th you know, uh, revision. And I think that's crazy, And but it's easy to fall into. And I, I find myself doing that in some regards too, but like, oh man, this have so far to go with this. But I mean, they just spent, you know, five years refining that. So you can't really compare those two. Yeah. But, and it's funny that we, we do it and we see it. We go, we, we see that they're five years ahead of us and we still want to compare our first day to them. I was talking to a new client uh, just the other day and she's a realtor and we're talking about getting her face out there more and online and connecting with people on that social level. And She's like, Nate, I'm so nervous. I don't have that confidence. I'm worried that my videos will be bad. And I said, do you have anyone like that you want to become, you know, like, and she goes, yeah, here's somebody. And she pulls this person up and I scrolled all the way back to their very first video. And we started watching their first video together and Tots, it was horrible. Their first video was atrocious. No, don't get me wrong. Their videos now are fantastic. They're glorious. You know, they're, they're great. They're well edited. She's well spoken and everything. But her first video, oh man, like you just, you don't even want to watch it. And we were, I was looking at it and she's even laughing at it and joking and like, oh man, that's so bad. I'm so glad she's, she's developed and come to where she is. And I go, that was her first draft that she made public. She might have still even had first drafts before that. I said, do you think you can make your first post? Do you think it can be that quality? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I would have to try to make it that bad. And I'm like, exactly. But we, we don't see that a lot of times. We just look at where they are now, somebody way further ahead on their path than we are. And we go, oh, well, we can't ever get to that spot. Like you said earlier, it's almost self-sabotaging. Um, well, it really is in a way. Absolutely. So, so and what, what I'm going to touch about, when I say some people overestimate certain things. So I'll touch on that in terms of innovation. We have a tendency to fall in love with our ideas sometimes, right? I, I think, you know, it's like, oh, this is so good and, and get overwhelmed. So one of the things I always tell people is do something that I learned from the direct response world called the 3 a.m. test. And the 3 a.m. test works something like this. So imagine that you're going to a prospect's house at 3 a.m. in the morning. You break down their door, you run up the stairs, you grab them while they're sleeping and you say, wake up, wake up. And then you tell them your idea. Like, this is my idea for X. Now, two things are gonna happen. One, they're gonna say, that's wonderful. They're gonna get up and they're gonna jump up and down with you or they're gonna go back to sleep. So you really have to visualize how good is your idea and really sort of distance yourself from that and get feedback that is good. Now, you can't just go to people and say, is my idea good? Because that's just a bad question. So <laughs> the book that I like to recommend on that is called The Mump Test. And this, the concept goes like this, you know, when, whenever you tell, you ask your mom if what you're doing is a good idea, they're just, there's going to be a part of them that are going to be nice about it. So you can't, you can't taint the feedback. So you have to ask questions around it. So let's say you're trying to validate a service or an app. You have to learn more about what they, how their lifestyle is. Like for instance, hey, do you have a phone? 
what apps do you have on your phone? How often do you use the apps? Like you have to sort of build insight in and around the question without asking a direct question. And I think that book gives you some uh, preliminary thoughts on how to do that effectively. And then the last phase of innovation is um, I interviewed my sort of person I really looked up to when I was doing sort of uh, innovation work or just doing our innovation agency is uh, Jeffrey Moore. And I would always get to these point where I get three or four directions that would be very good in terms of innovation. And I wasn't quite sure if I could develop them any further to get further, I guess, validation. It, but they, these three or four, they all look good. So I asked Jeffrey on, on an interview, like, is there something else I can do once I get to this point? And it was the most comforting thing because Jeffrey Moore does strategy for Microsoft, Salesforce, Autodesk, all these giants, and he just and thousands of other companies. He goes, you just have to roll the dice. At some point, you just got to suck it up and roll the dice. So I, I thought that was really wonderful. <laughs> suck it up and roll the dice. No, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's because uh, there is a lot of fear and a lot of risk. Going back to your kind of analogy with the two by four before, um, one thing that I think we definitely focus on is the risk, you know, because if you lay a two by four on the ground next, you know, in front of me and I go, you go walk on that, Nate, I go, okay, what's the worst that'll happen? You know, I, I fall off and now I'm standing on the ground that was you know, <laughs> one and three quarters inch lower than what I was standing on before. You know, it's it's not that difficult. But if it's 10,000 feet up in there and I fall, well, that's going to be a different story. There's a lot more risk there. But in order to be that innovator and that, you know, that pioneer in whatever industry you're doing, you do have to be the one to walk across that plank first. You have to take that risk. You have to, like you said, suck it up and roll the dice and go, hey, you know, hopefully this will land. If not, try again. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great skill to to work on, be able to block out outside influences once you get the feedback and to just move forward anyways. And and to be able to be okay that, you know, anything that happens to you now is is not deemed a failure. It's just it's just temporary, right? Like if you quit, that'll just stick and that's the end of it. But if you keep going and you keep learning and you keep managing the risk along the way, my, um, when I started entrepreneurship, I knew I needed a mentor. So I luckily I had a friend of mine that introduced me to a guy named Peter Rosen, who's still my business partner 20 plus years later. And he was an innovator. Like he invented the Windows media player. He sold it to Bill Gates. And he also did some work on early 3D printing technology and a technology that was a precursor to the MRI. So inventor guy, right? Wow. So yeah. I, what I learned from him is that he, he doesn't just think of stuff and they just like, it's like genius. Like he, he has a very good way of running very inexpensive experiments in volume. And the great thing with online businesses is you can run lots of inexpensive experiences, uh, uh, sorry, uh, experiments in volume. And I think people sort of should take advantage of that and, and, and do a ton of it and just learn from that. And I think 
you know, back in the day, I think we didn't have that ability to get close to people and find things out. And I think we're spoiled in the in the in a good way that we have access to so much insight. Like, for instance, if we want to learn about helping a prospect, like they have a whole po- podcast series, right? Like you can sit there and and listen to them talk for ten hours and learn everything about what how their day goes, what they're interested in. And, and the wording they use and stuff. So to craft your message. So there's just a wealth of in- information you can tap from. Well, I was thinking when you were saying, you know, when you're doing all of these different experiments, you're absolutely right. You can do it very affordably these days digitally. It's really easy to do, you know, what we call in the industry split tests, yep. um, you know, whether it be AB split testing for, you know, email opens or which ads are getting better clicks. Um, or like you said, you can even go in and figure out exactly what the keywords and people are using. And one of the things that I remind a lot of my clients, sometimes I go, we, we always take a step back when they're having trouble, like, okay, this isn't getting the results that I'm wanting to this ad isn't or this email copy isn't getting the results I'm looking for. I go, well, first of all, let's get a clear set on what that goal is that you're wanting to get the results of. But secondly, let's figure out, are your clients getting the results that they're looking for? with your solution and sometimes the best way to figure that out is really to ask ask them what their problems are not hey what do you need but what are you lacking where are your pain points where are you struggling and then if you gather enough of that information and you're brilliant enough like tatsuya or sheila or sometimes i am i'm i'm brilliant like on wednesdays sometimes and maybe parts every other friday you you take that knowledge and you create an innovative solution testing and innovating these days can be a lot more affordable than even five ten years ago yeah so i'm going to touch on uh, one of the points is with innovation i think one of the things that people Uh, link innovation to is originality and creativity. And I think that that part is overrated. I think people, some people say, oh, I'm not creative or I can't do this. And I think some of the the biggest opportunities are are already out there. At any given time, if you look at all the innovators throughout the years, that there's never one person that was working on one thing. There's always a bunch of people that are working on similar things. And it's just a first person to execute it well, generally. But I think the biggest opportunity is just look at different industries and take industry practices or business models for from other industries and applying it to new industries. There's tons of uh, opportunity in doing that. So if you're just stuck in one industry, let's say the health industry or something like that, go into mining, going into groceries, look at how their business works, look, look at their pr- uh, practices, how they do things, marketing or whatever, and then try to take that and apply it. You know, look at the real estate industry and then apply it to industrial paints, like we're in code coatings, right? So like just, just cross-pollinate those. And I think sometimes even now those industries are quite siloed out. And I think a lot of the, the value that's derived is by doing that. And then the second part of it is brilliant on Wednesday, Nate. I, I'm going to challenge you on that because I think all of us, I think, are amazingly brilliant. So I heard this story in which uh, I think it was in the States somewhere where there was this guy that was working underneath a a car and he was playing around with uh, fixing something and he just had some horrible luck and the, the jack sort of 
sort of shifted and the car fell on him and he's just trapped underneath there. And as the jack fell, I think it knocked something else over and it set the garage on fire. And, you know, the, the fire is going up the walls and he's struggling to get out. He just can't get out. And he's stuck there and he's counting the seconds before he's going to die. And then just, just uh, at the same time, his daughter is walking across and sees the garage going up in flames and then rushes in there, sees her dad trapped underneath the car, goes over there and picks the car up and frees him. He's, she's 18 years old and saves his dad. I believe that we all have another gear inside of us. It's just a matter of, can we tap into our why? How do we make what we do non-negotiable? Like, how do we go beyond fears? How do we go beyond doubts? We have seen this on YouTube plenty of times where people go up and lift cars. Now they're wrecked for, for weeks or months after that, but I'm just saying that we, we all can do a lot more than we think that we can do. So I always think that there's brilliance in all of us. It's just, we have to find the right situation and, and be able to sort of peel away the fear to be able to access that. I agree. I've had a similar situation where, you know, we always wonder how we're going to act in a certain situation. And when that situation happens, the way that we act, we're always so grateful. If we can act like this girl did, you know, lifting the car, I was able to do that in that situation where I was able to protect my daughter. If you stop and think about it before you do it, sometimes it stops you from really doing the things that you love is like you said, find that why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Nate and I started this podcast and I honestly, I just thought, well, nobody's going to listen to a podcast and I brought Nate in. So maybe people would listen because I thought, well, Nate's more, you know, he's more personality than me. So, I mean, you can, I can second guess myself into not doing things all day long. But since we did start the podcast, we have met some incredible people. We've hopefully changed some businesses. We've, I know that in my knowledge and I know Nate's knowledge has grown and our connections have been great. We've just had a really good time. But if I had said, nobody's going to listen, why would somebody want to listen to this? Somebody told me the other day, well, the name of your podcast makes you think of a dirty diaper. I said, well, that's the point of the name of it. It makes you stop and think, right? So it's a little bit outside the box to go with that term. I think if we can look past the fear and look past the rejection that could be there. The things that we can accomplish are outstanding. Nobody went out and started something with the complete knowledge that it was going to be accepted. They found out afterwards. So you can't just not do it because you think people might not like it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it comes down to, I think uh, the original question is reinvention as well, reinventing ourselves, innovating ourselves. And I think one of the things I, I've struggled with, I originally uh, started off in the health and fitness world. Like we had a sports marketing business. And so I had a lot of knowledge about health and, and wellness and sports. And, but one of the things I've always struggled with as an entrepreneur is there's always something that needs to be done. And you can, you're stressed out, you're working long hours, you're not taking care of your health, but I, I know better, right? Like I, I have the education at one point, I had my personal training certification, coaching certification. I ran a fitness center. I ran international fitness conferences, but my health just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Just slowly, you don't even notice it, like the temperature going up in water slowly. And, and I got to a point where I was on holiday 
which is usually the, the time where you're outside your day to day. And I was reaching to tie my shoelaces and I felt a pain in my stomach and it hurt. And I didn't know what it was. It was kind of freaking me out. And when I got home from vacation, I went to the doctor and get it checked out. And basically the, the long and short of it is that my body was falling apart. And this was roughly three years ago. I was 252 pounds. I'm 5'11". That's quite overweight. And I, I had a wake up call where I said, okay, instead of just putting task lists on and, and focusing on the business, I need to take this a step higher and say, health equals this equals this, and that'll help my business. And really try to change my mindset that you have to really start with the diet first. And that was a big change for me because I love food. It was great, you know, I, as a foodie, I think it was it's the scariest thing ever to kind of put that secondary and say, you know, nutrients and stuff like that. But I was able to do it and I slowly started to lose the weight and I was losing around 10 pounds a month and I lost about 80 pounds in about eight months, roughly. And as I was going through that, when I had that sort of shift in thinking, I started to think, if I can change this, what else can I change? And there's all these other things that I let other people handle, like operations and finance that I wasn't very strong at. My background is marketing, strategic marketing, innovation, but our, our company was very weak at operations. So the backend stuff. So we had all these great ideas. We get all these customers excitement and then our fulfillment and managing our profitability was weak. And I started to, to really question some of the stuff that I have and went back into it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to forget everything I learned in the last 18, 20 years. And then I'm just going to go with the beginner's mind and start from scratch. Where would I start? And I started back into the direct response world. I rebuilt up my understanding of marketing. Then I went into operations. I started to like it. I hated operations. Now I start to like operations. And then I also built up financial knowledge to the next level as well. So from a strategic point of view, it's been wonderful. So I heard an actor say, grow by running towards your fears. And I think the opportunities for growth and innovations are usually hidden in things that you're avoiding. I think those ROIs are extremely high. And if you start off by saying, I'm not going to tackle the whole thing, let's just start off by doing two minutes a day. And what does that usually happen if you spend two or five minutes a day on it? It usually gets over the excuses and then you get into a rhythm and you might do 10, 20 minutes or whatever, but just have a daily discipline of tackling you know, some areas that could bring you a high ROI. Those are some of the simplest things you can do to sort of change and transform yourself. And it's been a, a lot more fun uh, when you do that. So you mentioned earlier, innovation is more than just coming up with something that nobody else came up with. I know for me, myself, when I think of innovation, I think I need to think of something that nobody else has thought of. And this day and age, that's almost impossible. What is it that you think innovation could be explained as to help people realize that they are being innovative on a regular basis? They're just being held back maybe by fear or something. Absolutely. I think from an organizational point of view, uh, you'd have to think of it as trying to help others. Like if you're always trying to focus on how to help others and you're listening in on their conversations and what they're struggling with and stuff like that, that's a good basis of innovation or, or being able to sort of develop things that create value. But I always find a broad 
experience or a diverse network of people that you hang around with facilitates that quite a bit. I think to some extent, we're all caught in some sort of filter bubble and we have to figure out ways to sort of break out of that so it changes our thinking. And you have to figure out when you come up with your best ideas for innovation. And most people don't track that. Like for instance, Darwin knew exactly when he came up with his best ideas. Do you know what it was? He used to take two walks every day, but he even went further than that. He created a walk, walking path on his property and he'd walk around in the morning and walk around in the, uh, the, uh, just before dinner time. And he did that every single day, twice a day for his career. And his output in terms of new ideas and contribution is massive. So let's say you get your best ideas when you're driving. Some people do that. Some people take showers and they get their best ideas. Some people get their best ideas when they're around people. Some people, when they're not around people on a hike, there will be something that you do that, that's gonna give you clarity. Do more of that. And that's like the simplest thing you do. For me, it's walking too. Like I'll walk every morning. I won't have an agenda. I'll just walk and just breathe fresh air. And that, that helps me a lot. For different people, it's different things. Some people like when they're taking road trips, they're awesome. Or when they go to the special cafe or when they're talking to this special person, the, the creative energy comes out. Figure out when great ideas come to you and make sure you document it. That's interesting. I actually get my best ideas when I'm out running. So I actually have my voice recorder app that has a whole bunch of ideas on it. And then I come home and I'm, I go listen, back and listen to them. And I realize some of them are crazy. Like you said, the mom test, right? Or the 3 a.m. test. Oftentimes too, I realize that my brain switches from analytical to creative after midnight, which is more difficult for me. I can get up in the morning and go running, but staying up until after midnight, because I'm an old lady now, gets harder and harder every year. That's true. I did notice that about myself when I get my best creative ideas, when I'm feeling blocked creatively, I know that if I can stay up past midnight, it'll usually click and it will just start working if I can't get it to come while running. That's wonderful. We all have that. It's just being deliberate deliberate with it, right? I think yeah. uh, I'm going to mess up this quote, but I think Dolly Parton said something along the lines of find out who you are and double down on it or be that more often. And I think that's, we all have this way of being innovative and sort of proactive. We just have to optimize our day to, to sort of capitalize on our natural tendencies. Mm -hmm. And that can, that can really sort of expedite innovation. I read somewhere that uh, the first four hours of your day is when your brain is the most active or the most productive or the most you can learn the most or something. So oftentimes um, for moms, that's especially hard. The first four hours of their day is oftentimes spent doing things for the family. So I always encourage my single moms, especially military wives who are often home alone with their children. If you can even wake up 15 minutes earlier and get your mind triggered onto something, you know, then while you're doing those things, like making the oatmeal and changing the diapers, your brain will still be processing those things. I think it's, uh, it was Mel Robbins that said, there's two different types of procrastination. There's destruction and productive. I'm very good at the productive procrastination. If I can put a thought in my mind and let it work in the, in the background as I'm doing other things, it develops so much quicker than if I sit down, like if I'm writing a book, if I just sit down to write my book and I just sit there with a pen and paper, it's not going to come to me. I know what's going to trigger that for me is to kind of ruminate on it in the background. I love all this 
new innovation you've got on thinking innovate you know about innovation you're just innovation squared i, I love it you've doubled down on innovation uh, to quote dolly parton there i love what you've brought to the table i've got a background in marketing but i've done work in several different industries with sales and marketing those type of things and a lot of times you're absolutely right i just hadn't really thought about this or said it expressed it out loud is that i'll take ideas from completely different industries and go hey i know this isn't your industry but we did something kind of similar to what you're trying to achieve over here with great success let's try it out here and a lot of times it works not always though and so i'm not saying that like oh it's a, it's a golden rule that you take an idea from somewhere else and bring it over to a different industry that you're going to have success no, you're not, but you got to suck it up and roll the dice. Yeah. No, that's really good. I talked to a guy named uh, Jim is still on my podcast. He was sort of an early mentor of mine and he helped grow BlackBerry from like a hundred to about 50,000 people. And he grew another distribution business up to like 350 million. And I asked him how he did it. And he goes, well, when I'm at this po uh, point in my business, there's certain problems that occur. I just look at businesses that are further along than we are and I copy them and see what works and then I re rinse and repeat. I'm like, it's uh, kind of uh, simple, but I think a lot of things we overcomplicate things and uh, make it hard for ourselves. Oh, and the queen of overcomplicating things. When I first started out in marketing, it was in the real estate industry and the real estate industry is stuck in this rut you know, where they think postcards work and cold calls work and those kind of things aren't working anymore. And especially in, in those industries that are kind of stuck in this place of these things have worked for the last 200 years, we should keep doing them. Those kind of industries, especially could look outside of their industry and say, how are other people doing it? Certainly looking in the industries of the ones that are working, finding out what they're doing. Most things are not proprietary. So you can go out and try what they're trying. I think you're brilliant. I love how you've changed our thinking on innovation. My whole perspective on it has changed. I always thought it meant figuring out something brand new, but it's just kind of molding things into what you want them to do and overcoming fear and being willing to take those risks. That's what real innovation is. Absolutely love it. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Tats. Thank you guys. Thanks. Well, folks, that's all for today's episode of The Messy Backend. It's Nate and Sheila signing off until next time. Thank you to our advertiser, PodServe FM. They will help you get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm forward slash messy to find out more. And thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They're the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video on how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform by going to themessybackend.com forward slash subscribe and check us out on our YouTube channel for full episodes. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of The Messy Backend. I'm Wendy Y. Bailey, known as your Income Acceleration Mentor, and I'm the founder and dean at More Coaching Client Sales and Marketing Academy. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like my back end is getting cleaner with every episode. I can tell you from my own experience that processing, looking at the messy back end situation when it happens helps you to grow and learn and be that much better as an entrepreneur. Join us again next week as experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes into the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you're not alone. Every business has a messy back end that needs a little attention.
Why, hello. I am co-host and amazing friend Nate Tucker. I'm in this like winter, cozy, sexy, chic sweater going on right now. And like, in my mind, I'm like, it's sweater weather because it's more boring than mud. Go out and be innovative now. I don't and know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Well, it's Wednesday, so you don't have to try very hard today. Lucky me. Wow. Awesome. That worked out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love what you say there about that making those, I guess... How am I trying to say this? We're definitely going to be editing this part out. <laughs> um, uh, you didn't use the word test. What did you say? Um, how my mind went blank. Experiments. I don't remember Experiment, what Yes. <laughs> so yeah, talking about doing all these experiments. Ex I can't even say it either. Experiments. Experiments, experiments, experiments. Man, I cannot talk to And them. I was so proud of you not talking about food when Tats brought it up. <laughs> I am so hungry right now. Food is my best friend. The last two episodes, let's see, we talked about McDonald's, Cheesecake Factory, In-N-Out Burger, and pizza, and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. You said Cheesecake Factory? I'm always impressed with how they run a business with so many menu items. That's what we nightmare. were talking about, yes. <laughs>